0: G'day everyone and welcome to The Dan Show on Slice Radio, big episode number four. I've got an amazing show this week. First up, I've got a really nice chat with Clancy Pye, country singer-songwriter. She's going to tell us what she's been up to and what she's going to do. It's really exciting. And then I have a chat with broadcasting legend Maynard. If you've not had any experience with Maynard, uh, hang on to your hats. It's going to be a fun ride. He's a really, really fun guy. But first up, let's have some new music from Darkside, Lucy Dacus, Erica De Cassier, and Baby Queen. And then we'll have a chat with Clancy. Stand by. Let's do it, ladies and gentlemen. Very excited to welcome country star. That's right. That's what I'm calling her. Young <laughs> star of country. Clancy Pye. Hi, Clancy.
1: G'day, Dan. How are you?
0: I'm really well. I'm just looking through all your stats here. Yeah, yeah. that's no problem. Get Lost was a number one iTunes hit. Yeah. And Heaven Can Wait was a number one iTunes hit. What was was that like?
1: Yeah, so um, I hadn't released any of my own music up until last year. And, yeah, I went about releasing sort of two singles before I put my – EP out and um, honestly the whole project really was just about getting music out I really um, uh, yeah just just wanted to to sort of start to share some of my own music and I didn't really sort of think about how it might be received it was it more just became a bit of a personal project in the end Mm. but um, for both of those singles um, to have gotten to number one on the iTunes country chart was really quite humbling I'd have to say um yeah I I didn't expect that would certainly have the the traction that they um they did and I certainly got a lot of support from around the central west um you know I've been playing music around this area since I was a kid and it was just so lovely to see you know so many people that have been coming along to gigs since I was a kid really you know still supporting me and and meeting lots of new people since putting the music out as well it's been nice to um to yeah to actually you know have my music, you know, be able to reach people in other states and other countries and, and receive really nice feedback. So, yeah, it, it's been a very humbling experience, I would have to say.
0: Well, well done. Congratulations there. Fantastic songs goes without saying, otherwise we wouldn't be chatting. Um, <laughs> talking about being a kid, do you want to give us the, the little bit of, uh, you know, history about... When yeah. you started music and when and all that sort of stuff. I know you've got it rehearsed. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, so I grew up on a, a farm outside of uh, Obron, which is a, a very small country town uh, just outside of Bathurst. I, I was really fortunate to grow up in a, a very musical family, actually. My um you know, my mum played guitar, so she showed us a few chords when we were kids and and my dad actually played the drums when us kids sort of started getting into music. Um, you know, naturally we, we ended up forming a little country band and um, our surname's pie actually, so we started to become known as the Party Pies uh, when we would play at functions or events um, around sort of Oberon and Bathurst area. Um, But, yeah, I was probably about six years old um, from memory when I first picked up a guitar and it really just went from learning enough chords to learn a song and it's surprising how many songs only need two or three chords um, Mm. to, uh, yeah, to get through them. So we would just learn as many songs as we could and and once we had enough songs together to, you know, have a, a set or a couple of sets, that was enough to get out and start performing. So, Certainly in those early days, it was by no means perfect, um, but, you know, I, I really look back at that time and just think what a uh, how lucky I was to really have just had that bit of a springboard um, as a kid and, and not really a great deal of fear of getting up in front of people and performing probably comes into play a little bit more as you get older when you think about it a little bit more but I think as a kid it just was something that we did every weekend and um and it was a nice way to kind of bond with my family and and it just became you know the the thing that we would do over weekend is go out and gig so started playing around um sort of O'Bron and Bathurst area and as I got a bit older um started to sort of form a, a country rock pub band with my older brother and that's how I spent my teenage years. Once my brother was old enough to drive, he's uh, four years older than me. You know, my parents didn't need to come along anymore and, and we just hit the ground running. And um, and I haven't really stopped since, in all honesty. It's been such a big part of my life.
0: Yes, music is awesome. That's my big yeah. statement.
1: <laughs>
0: 100%. A lot of storytelling um, on the EP. A lot yeah. of wanting to go somewhere, wanting to get away. Wanting to escape. Clancy Pie, what are you running from? That's what the <laughs> public wants to know.
1: <laughs> I, I probably um, naturally you know, gravitate towards um, songs that do have that bit of an uplifting kind of um, message to them, and that probably rings true in a couple of the more upbeat songs on the EP. You know, I think sometimes we can get really bogged down in our day-to-day life, and for me, I... I'm very much a country girl at heart. I, I love getting home to visit my family, and and once I'm kind of out on the farm, and you start to you know not have neighbors close by, or you lose phone reception, for me that's when I feel most grounded. And you know, my song get lost. I think that one of the lines that I kept coming back to is that sometimes I think in order to find yourself or to be fo- be found, it, it helps to get lost sometimes, get out of your comfort zone, and yeah. And and really try and simplify things, I think, was really the message I was trying to get across uh, in a couple of those songs.
0: Absolutely. But, I mean, I don't know about the phone reception. Farm accidents claim many lives every year. (laughs) Let's talk about touring. What touring have you done? What would you like to do? Full band, solo, duo?
1: Yeah, I I was pretty lucky, actually. Around about the time that I finished high school, um, my older brother who i mentioned before uh, mickey pie he actually won a competition called toyota star maker back in 2015 and probably leading up to that he was really starting to sort of um, pave his own bit of a career in in country music And as he started to get some spots at festivals uh, in Australia, you know, not only Tamworth and, you know, Gympie and some of the major festivals, but some of the smaller ones as well. I uh, was actually part of his band, so I played guitar and, and would sing backing vocals. Um, so I was really fortunate through those years. I got to play on a lot of festival stages in Australia and, um, and started to play alongside some other artists as well. So um, the likes of Chelsea Basham, Kayleigh Bell, and, and subsequently, you know, led to play it um, in front of really big audiences here. So um, CMC Rocks was able to play that a couple of times with some um, some bigger artists. And that really gave me a, a taste of, of what touring is, is like and being on those big stages. And it really just sort of lit a bit of a fire in me, I guess, that I just, uh, no matter how big the stage is, I want to be on it. And probably in terms of the most memorable experiences I've had, I was really fortunate to join my brother playing uh one of canada's biggest country music festivals um a couple of times we did it in 2012 and 2015 and the the festival's called big valley jamboree tens of thousands of, of people congregate in this huge field um and they have some of the biggest acts in in country music worldwide that come to that festival so to have the opportunity to play on the stage there is is one of the most memorable experiences I've uh, I've had certainly when it comes to performing and uh, to get to play in Nashville as well, which is sort of the, the home of country music. I've been very very fortunate to have had certainly a taste of playing in front of those big audiences, and I'm I'm so grateful. And and certainly as as I continue to release more of my own music, you know that's certainly a, a goal of mine is to to play more band shows. But I also love. You know, those more intimate sort of acoustic um, shows as well. I did a bit of a tour last year after I released my EP. And I actually loved that up and close aspect as well, getting to kind of talk about the backstory behind a lot of my songs. And and I think you can build a really unique connection with your audience that way as well. So as I said before, that the size of the stage doesn't really matter to me too much. I I just love performing. And over recent times, um, definitely sharing more of my own music has just been something that you know, I've really, really loved. There was probably a few years there where I was a bit scared or a bit fearful of sharing my own music, mm. but it's uh, it's become something that I love to do. I love to connect um, with people through sort of songs and stories.
0: Was there ever a chance of it not being country music? Like did you have an emo phase or...? <laughs>
1: It's funny, like, um, you know, we grew up on country from a young age, but we also, in the early um, part of our life, we listened to a lot of sort of 50s rock and roll music, and uh, we used to actually dance as kids, we did 50s rock and roll dancing, and so... It's funny, you know, a lot of my musical tastes really evolved in the first probably 10 years of my life through dancing and performing and uh, rock and roll and country were, were probably the two biggest ones, two biggest genres that we really loved. But um. Mm. You know, I, I actually love all genres of music. I, I think, you know, 90s pop and that sort of era and music is something that I, I think so many great songs came out of there as well. But there's really not a genre that I wipe out. I think if a song's good, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be boxed. It, it can be appreciated from any kind of angle. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm certainly not someone that will only listen to one genre of music. I, I listen to and appreciate lots of different styles.
0: Absolutely. Why not? They're all out there for the taking. (laughs) Let's talk about making the EP. You know, that would have been expensive. You would have had trepidation in that respect. You would have had to pull together players. Yeah. um, What was that journey like? Was it sort of now now or never or did you always thought you'd do more or?
1: Look, it's always something I've wanted to do releasing my own music, but you, you mentioned, you know, those couple of barriers, the, the cost and, and just the time in, in kind of planning your songs out and, and who you want to get to play on it, who you want to produce it. And I think you really need to kind of just force yourself to, to take a bit of a step outside of what you're doing. You know, i had been performing pretty relentlessly for 15 plus years or so, and that probably took away a little bit of the time that I would spend on, on writing. But yeah, the last five years or so, I really have knuckled down on my writing and, and really wanted to um, kind of improve that craft, I suppose. And I think I just got to a point where I, I was starting to write songs that I felt, other people could gain something from you know there's a message that others could connect to in some way and when I started to feel that about my songs I, I felt it was time to um, go into the studio and I'm, I'm really lucky I've got a great friend um, Sean Rudd who, who produced it uh, the EP for me down in Balmain and uh, my brother, um, Mickey, played all the guitars on the album and uh, was lucky to have um, the likes of Pete Drummond, who plays drums for Dragon and uh, a bunch of other Australian acts. He came in to play drums and we had Nick Woodford and Gary Day. So it was it was a really fun experience, and I learnt so much from being around um, that calibre of talent too, and and such genuinely lovely people too. I think that made the experience so enjoyable for me.
0: Wow, trousers! That sounds like a fun uh, fun day at the office, hanging around all those yeah. guys down in Balmain, and just
1: yeah, you know,
0: doing a take, having a frappuccino, doing a take. <laughs> Oh, Ooh, ooh I laugh.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. Nice place to yes. visit, but I wouldn't want to live there, but I would want to own a house there.
1: <laughs> That's it. And Sean's uh, studio, he's actually got harbour views from his um his studio, so we were very blessed with um having such a, a nice location to, to go and record as well. Um, but, yeah, I certainly, you know, Sydney's great to be in for, for a couple of days or a week here and there, but it is nice to come back to the country as well talk about
0: connecting uh, to people the young couple that featured in the get lost video yes uh, you know there's a, there seemed to be a strong connection between there and, and the viewers on youtube and there's probably other yeah. video platforms did yeah. that did that couple make it because i felt that that was just a temporary re- reconciliation i didn't feel as though they were going to to make it did they did they end up going well
1: yeah, it's it's funny. They certainly were not um actors. They are both um Danny is a good friend of mine who's a physio. Um, and her husband, Josh, is a is a farrier. So they're both very humble, hardworking people. And um, it was funny. I, I actually, um, when we were sort of planning the video and I was talking to um, the videographer, Jay Sini, who produced the clip, and I was sort of talking to him about all the ideas I had and where I wanted to shoot it. Yeah, we felt having a couple there. It was my first time kind of being in front of the camera too. So I, I probably wanted a little bit of a detraction from, from me. It was actually a really Fun day. We we shot most of the clip on my sister and brother in law's property, and and Danny and concerned.
0: Josh. I was, I thought, <laughs> is she going to get the amount of dust right? i've God, I hope yeah. she gets the. When I heard there was the, the filming was coming, I thought if she doesn't get the amount of dust right.
1: This is going to be yeah. crap. But that's right. You nailed yeah. it. Well, it's funny, you know we'd we'd been um, through a massive drought, and uh, probably the a couple of weeks before we started filming, they actually had a huge amount of rain, so things were starting to green up, which was great for the farm. But, you know, we were probably wanting, um, you know, that sort of dusty, rustic look. So we probably caught it just at the right time where there was a, a bit of a, you know, balance between that new growth and, you know, that dry aspect as well. So I'm very lucky to have caught it at the right time. It looks very different up there at the moment yeah it was so much fun working with those two and uh and yeah i'm just happy that they said yes you know there was no hesitation at all when i reached out to them and um yeah it, it i think that made it so much more enjoyable
0: it's a great clip head over to youtube and and check it out see what else is going on any more any more video clips to be had the kind of expensive ordeal isn't it something to think about
1: yeah look it, it certainly is i am. Um, it's funny, as much as I really enjoy, you know, performing and writing, um, we we sort of grew up watching music videos mm. from a young age. We'd always get up and watch the Rage Countdown on a Saturday morning, you know, the Country Music Channel when we'd go away on holidays and, and get Foxtel for a couple of weeks. And and I, I there's so many clips that, um, you know, have really... They stand out in your mind. What's your your favourite?
0: People people will ask you a favourite song or artist, but they won't often ask your favourite video clip. What's your favourite video clip?
1: oh there's a lot um look a lot of the shania twain clips and actually the live clips are, are ones that stick out i think uh one that's quite iconic is um keith urban's uh, love somebody like you clip i think um that was probably one i had in mind when i was thinking about the get lost video but yeah we we did one more video when i released my single heaven can't wait it, it was a really sort of personal project that one. I put a lot of, um, you know, thought into, uh, you know, how I wanted to piece it together, and to have it so, you know, well received was really humbling. I think the first three days of releasing that clip, we had a hundred thousand people had viewed it on Facebook. I think it's up over two hundred thousand now. It's um, crazy.
0: You must be so rich right now.
1: <laughs> if I, I think the landscape certainly changed in that regard. but that for me it's it's probably you know not so much about that i I, the you know, if I never released another song, I'm really proud of the way that that was received and, and the impact that it had on other people. I think it, you know, there were a lot of people in the clip we, we wish were still around and, and, you know, people I grew up with and really respected. And to sort of have the, the local community around Oberon and Bathurst area really get behind that clip and share it around it, it um, certainly the traction that it got was was unlike I could have ever anticipated and um it's something that i'll certainly remember for a very long time
0: i haven't checked that one out yet so that's that's my bad i'll have to uh, get on to that so what's next for clancy pie what's the rest of 2021 hold
1: yeah, well, I've um I've had a really flat out start to the year. The performing's you know, picked right up again for a lot of musicians here in Australia. So that's been pretty relentless for the first part of this year. But I've actually, um, the next couple of months, I'm in writing mode. I've actually um really knuckled down on that in the last probably eighteen months or so, and and um, been writing at least a song a week. Uh, but from the next couple of months, I'm I'm sort of going to uh, increase that um, output a little bit more, and uh, by mid year we're going to um look at heading into the studio again to record a full-length album looking to start releasing that throughout 2022 so i'm really enjoying getting back into that creative mindset you know i've certainly been as i said continuing to write consistently but it's it's nice when you can really make that a a big focus and not have so many other distractions
0: and you know you've know, um, you, you been so creative currently is music to my ears because I, i'm i want to um propose a collaboration yeah?
1: Okay. yeah i'd love to
0: hear because i've i've checked and there are no songs no good songs anyway about mount cannibalism
1: oh, and okay. country
0: music yeah. is about is about people places things and yes you know we could be people on a place on a thing right, people on Well, the yeah. So, look, I've, I've, I've jotted this down this afternoon. Let me know what you think. This is just yep. poetry style. I, I won't sing it because I haven't got the melody yet.
1: That's okay. It's, it's
0: O Mount Canobolus, you protect all, all of us. That's the rhyme there. What do you Love think it. so far? Is it a strong start?
1: Well, uh, you know, I was a bit worried when I, you know, just thinking It not a lot rhymes with that, but I think that's quite a creative start.
0: Yeah my finest moment in uh, 35 <laughs> years of songwriting.
1: Oh, Mount <laughs> Knobolos,
0: you protect all of us. Then something about snow-capped in winter, a cool hiking spot in the summer, because I'm thinking, you know, tourists New South Wales or something. Might yeah. It. You hear me? So, like, like, just, you know, get some of those bucks and then that album is paid for. Yeah, well,
1: it's certainly the time for domestic and tourism at the d- moment, isn't it?
0: So. certainly certainly and then this verse uh, finishes off with my extinct volcano beauty but i don't have a rhyme here but then it's something please don't erupt on top of us like re erupt because <laughs> did you you, yeah. cause you weren't a school girl in orange as i was a school boy and <laughs> yeah, we, I, yes. I went to cannibalis high and we used to look straight across to cannibalis and I wondered, and someone, you know, being a dumb kid, I sometimes thought, oh, I wonder if it'll ever erupt again. I was quite concerned there.
1: Yeah, well, look, you know, these things can happen, can't they? You know?
0: <laughs> I mean, not often.
1: What <laughs> do you think? Have we got, a good, we got
0: a germ of a good song there?
1: Look, I—I I, that is the thing about songwriting, isn't it? You know, it's um, it's it's all about that idea and and matching it with a, a melody that uh, you know, sings and connects to people. So I think the next step let's get a melody for it, and uh, yeah, and see what comes of it.
0: I don't have a hat. I don't have a good country hat for the video. <laughs>
1: That's yeah, probably so one. many ones, Anyway, look,
0: I'm <laughs> I'm skipping several steps. Well, Clancy Pye, we should let you go and get back to songwriting. Yeah. Um, you yeah. right on the cusp of, uh, of another uh, big hit. Thanks yeah, so much for baby. taking the time to chat. Follow Clancy on Instagram and Facebook, and you can go over her website and buy the album there. You can buy it on iTunes like I did, buy the album, buy yeah. the EP rather. Uh, yeah. I bought more, every song individually because I wanted you to get more money.
1: Oh, I've really appreciated that. I think, uh, no, it certainly goes a long way, and and I know all artists, um, you know, are, are so appreciative of, of people actually still purchasing uh, the music. It certainly goes a long way. So, thank you so much, and and you know, to to listeners as well who've who've gotten behind it.
0: I'm not I'm not sure streaming as a form of earning money is going to pan out. <laughs> Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift's been right about some things. She's been wrong about some she might have. She might yep. have been right about, about this thing. But anyway, we're not talking about Taylor. We're talking about the next Taylor, Clancy Pye. <laughs> Thanks so Appreciate. much for, for joining me, Clancy. And yeah. Uh, we'll, no,
1: thank you so much. For me.
0: We'll catch you around the traps.
1: Absolutely will. Thank you, Dan, so much.
0: And stop. That was Clancy Pie. How exciting. Amazing, isn't she? Now let's have a big whack of Clancy Pie songs. I mean, four or five in a row. Get into it. And don't forget to buy Clancy Pie songs from wherever you buy songs. Get them. Broadcasting legend Maynard is coming right up. But before he does, let's just have a couple more new songs. And then it's going to be Maynard. Yeah, Slice Radio
2: slice radio people if you aren't listening to this i don't know what's wrong with you and look don't let the fact that i'm on the station put you off
0: you know we haven't introduced maynard but we should give him a little introduction from uh, castanet club to mad club
2: to 2scr to triple j Oh, via 2 and you are in newcastle
0: hey i didn't want to leave it out but i mean there's so <laughs> many credits i mean which ones do you add in which ones do you <laughs> leave out? it's the wondrous maynard
2: welcome maynard um, Hello, I've done a little bit of everything, and I think I've been sacked from every single job I've ever had because that's the Australian entertainment industry, people. That's nothing to be upset
0: about. Um, it, all good things come to an end, unfortunately, and we don't have a big... If we had a bigger population, you could be a lot more wealthy. Did you ever oh, think you about that? Oh, you could just, that? like,
2: scoot around and go from one thing to the other because also, you also bump into the same really rubbish managers from places from time to time. Oh, you were my manager, then you weren't very good there either. Oh, well.
0: You get mm, well, a bit of that. What's good about? I've got I've got a question here. It's all encompassing. What's Ooh. good? What's good about now as opposed to, say, the eighties or nineties?
2: I will answer that question in two ways. I'll tell you what's good about it, and I'll tell you what's not so good about it. We'll start oh. with the not so good stuff first. Is that because it was a uh, an industry where uh, there was a, a pent up demand at the time. Um, you could get paid reasonable money for being on the radio. For example, on Triple M, you would get good money. And only a few years ago, I was offered a Saturday night show on Triple M. But uh, I would have to find the advertising and that would have to be how I get paid. They were offering me no money. So it was a couple of hours Uh, to do a show on a Saturday night, a retro show or something, and they weren't going to kick in anything. You had to find the advertising, and that's how you paid yourself, which could have been done, but that means that you've got to be the salesperson, the advertising person, and there's a certain kind of person. Jonathan Coleman is a really good example of that. He's someone who could do that sort of thing very easily, but most people who are talent aren't normally the sales team, and to employ a sales team is going to eat into what you get paid. So, uh, yeah, isn't that a strange deal? It's a bit raw, isn't it? You I mean, it's going national across your network, and there isn't enough ad breaks nationally across your network to give me anything? Yeah. So that's an example of uh, what... can car point. salesmen
0: get a base wages. Exactly. <laughs>
2: But so that's what's kind of bad about now is that also the uh, industry certainly has collapsed to a certain extent, particularly someone who's on the the fringes of popularity like myself. Uh, if you're Andrew G, no problem. You can work anywhere you like. You can actually work on the radio in, in Brisbane while you're in your house in Sydney, and then you can go and give roses to people who are suspicious personalities, all that kind of stuff. If you can do that, no problem. But there's only a couple of them in the Australian industry. And what's great about it is you can do your own thing, which is what I've discovered. And I was actually happy that you wanted to talk about things that have happened recently and the future, because that's been pretty exciting lately, because we've all been in lockdown. And the first thing I did in lockdown was like, oh, God, I can get this work done finally. The bad thing was no live work. I think I did two gigs in the last 18 months, and they're slowly picking up. The Mad Club's back, which is interesting, which is the retro group that... Um, I've Well, I've just found some new members there, some um, younger, interesting members to work with, and it's great fun. We, we make a mess at nightclubs around Sydney. Keep your eye out for the... Oh, 24th of April, free gig upstairs at the Botany View Hotel. That'll be a good one. Oh, I'll, even what play can Na- I- I'll play an 80s song for you. You strike me as a Spandau ballet guy or maybe a classics nouveau guy.
0: Yeah, you know, I like Spandau. I guess, you know, if we're going to... I guess I'm more of a Duran Duran guy than a Spandau, and you can't be both. So I'd probably go Duran Duran if uh, I had a gun to my head, which would be a weird situation. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I interviewed Simon LeBon a number of times, and I always like asking him or, or anybody, really, who was big back in that day, who was your arch nemesis? And Simon Le Bon said, oh, whoever was on top of the pops that week, we'd be on one side of the green room, and the spandau ballad be on the other side and there'd be like some one hit wonder. We'd all be staring at each other. And all these years later, it seems very silly to behave like that. And sure. I think he's probably right. Yeah, so you know, I, th- I think Duran Duran were a bit more fun. And I've seen them live three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, none, never back in the day. Uh, I think the first time I saw them was 1990. And you know, sure. Simon Le could be described as a wanker, but my God, you need a wanker on stage to just come out there in a pirate shirt and just open his hands and go, hello, everybody, and just take applause for about 40 seconds. I mean, you know, it's not something an introvert should do. No,
0: introverts shouldn't front um, 80s pop bands.
2: But uh, yeah, like I said, I got stuck into live streaming when I was in lockdown and I thought, well, I'll do Mad Club, but one man Mad Club. So initially I just got myself the OBS software and went live for half an hour, um, I think once a week for a couple of months there. Mm. They're all up on at Maynard.com.au, the first one. And basically, I just dance like an idiot around in front of the camera, um, maybe play a clip or something, play some of my old stuff there and hold up signs and, and basically dress my own lounge room at Maynard International Studios like a, a nightclub. Like I would have a nightclub, and it's just really silly. And I picked up a lot of patreons from that, and had a lot of fun. And then I introduced a quiz, which was originally just called Maynard's Mastermind, but now we've come up with a better name, which is the We Don't Care Quiz, because whenever anyone complained, that's what we said. It's like, um, yep, yeah, um, what you don't like the questions? Well, we don't care. Don't like the answers? We really don't care. So that's how we we came by that. It's super and fun. I, Oh look, the the uh, the main popularity of that show can be uh, put down to the fact that I have a three second clip of a uh, monkey watching, washing a Siamese cat in a tub. <laughs> yeah, it that's works. A good one. As soon as you see it, you go, "My <laughs> God, that's the most interesting thing I've ever seen." If commercial television ever gets onto that, that'll be all they play from six to six thirty. Is that loop of that three-second because people will watch it. Free to air; they've got plenty of time to fill. Man, um, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, they consider the edgy thing the project now, but um, I, I, I can't watch most of the stuff. I've got to say, I, I, have got a television behind me. I'm looking at it, and it's dark, and that's the way it normally is. Occasionally, I'll turn it on and watch something like uh, a DVD of Anne Margaret's The Swinger, a great 1966 movie. I recommend that highly. Yep. Um, but I I don't, I don't go, oh, I've really got to watch QA to watch the same argument they were having last week except with different people and a slightly different topic.
0: Yeah, that gets a bit annoying, isn't it? Can I go back in before we go way into the oh, so, future? Sorry, I'm
2: just wondering wan- all about the place. No, that's all everything.
0: right. So I'm I'm going to wander back to something I don't know much about is Sunday afternoon fever.
2: Ah, well, that was uh, a show after I uh, got moved off the breakfast show. I did that for two years on Triple J. Um, might have the years wrong. I think it was 94 and 95, and it was a Sunday afternoon between 3 and 6, or might have been 2 and 6, but uh, probably the best documented I've actually done of everything there because that was the age of the DAT tape. Mm. so i'd put a dat play tape on long play and i'd record the whole uh, three or four hours of the show and occasionally there's actually a couple of them actually up on maynard.com.au uh and you just got to just edit them a bit and i've kept the music in and everything and it's a great time capsule of a time at triple j where it was changing because the playlist had come in and you can really notice a difference if you have a listen to the music that's in the sunday afternoon fever melbourne comedy special I think, in 93, and then have a look at the one in 90, listen to 94, you'll notice a distinct change in the music. Um, Mm. In 94, you've got uh, Jimmy Barnes turning up, Jimmy Barnes turning up, us celebrating the Jimmy Barnes album, which is nothing wrong with that, but that wouldn't have been something you would have done even a few years earlier. Um, It was a time when Triple J was getting a little Mm. bit more into bed with the musical uh, hierarchy of Australia.
0: Yeah, I remember like Coldplay, came storming into triple j and we were all very very impressed with their first album i thought these guys are okay i don't know then for the next album they were just wiped off triple j totally just they're not triple j anymore
2: but probably probably because they got picked up probably by you know your today fms and your your triple m networks they got picked up like that and look you know i I liked coldplay's earlier work when they were u2 (laughs) yeah it's very close, isn't it? U2 was also played on is. Triple J a lot.
0: Back in the day, I only joined the Triple J listening fraternity in 93 when I think we got our local transmitter because there was a big push in the early 90s for uh, Triple J to go uh, Australia-wide. And uh, Oh, there certainly and it was. And we got our transmitter, in- yeah.
2: You won't see that anymore because they'll go, oh, you don't need that. You can just get it through the internet, which is, is true. Um, In fact, that's one of the big costs the ABC has to wear on an ongoing basis. I'm not quite sure what percentage of the budget. It's something like a fifth of the budget of the entire ABC is just transmitter fees, electricity, upkeep, all that kind of stuff. It's a huge thing. And I'm sure that it's been raised at meetings, not any that I'd ever be privy to, but I'm sure in some management meetings, they've raised the idea of taking Radio National off as a transmitting hmm. station and just having it as an internet station. I'm sure they've raised that idea. And boy, at, what be point, uh,
0: at what point was broad national like this broadcasting meant to be cheap? Like, uh, you know, where was this crossover I, I point? Think, I think
2: <laughs> some people had the idea because... Phones get better and they're relatively cheaper compared to what they can do, and computers do the same thing. That they think the same thing can happen with transmission, and that is up to a certain point true. But there's some costs you just can't get away with with transmission. Mm. Uh, they they need to be up, they need to be replaced, they need to be maintained. They're in remote areas that people have to get to. I'm um, um, speak, um, speaking to listeners now in regional Western Australia. There's times where your TV's just off air. Because the, the kangaroo's kicked over something, or the generators ran out of diesel, or something. Yeah, there was. There's times when it just goes off there in the remote areas and it just happens. So yeah, it is fragile. You've got to keep it up, Capie.
0: technical difficulties down to a rambunctious bandicoot. And, uh... oh,
2: possibly. Yep, that could be possibly indeed. But Sunday afternoon fever was uh, a great show. I really enjoyed doing it. Um, it was. Um. Uh, of the time, but I really like listening to the music I was playing because there was songs on Triple J's playlist that only Triple J were playing at the time and no one ever picked up. I, I really wish I could think what they were. There's just so many little, little ones and you'd be listening to it and i keep the music in and then and it's all in great quality too because it's on the DAT tape and you go, oh, that song, I haven't I haven't heard Us Three for a while. I haven't heard Cantaloupe for a while. Hmm. I haven't heard... Um, uh, album tracks off the um, bouncing off the satellite albums from the B-52s for a while things like that and I had a bit of leeway with that show because it was a bit specialty but they certainly were coming down with like you know you have to play the playlist so um, I got I got the boot out of Triple J at the end of that uh, second year of Sunday Afternoon Fever anyway and oh, and mm. then I actually went to commercial radio went to mm. uh, and oh boy that's a that's a deal with the devil um They will be very keen that you play the playlist, I presume. Oh, very much so. And I had the. uh, No, I played Salt and Pepper Push It. And this was in Newcastle. So Mm. we're talking the Newcastle audience here. And I can say whatever I like about them because I'm from Newcastle. Uh, And people would ring up and complain if you played Salt and Pepper Push It. Oh, they just rap because they can't sing. Well, well, that's a cogent argument, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, (laughs) you get that kind of thing. Um, But I did bring. I remember bringing. uh, Beck's Loser into the station and people were ringing up complaining when I played it for the first couple of days then of course it went to number one and they went oh I really love this song yeah so yeah um, Newcastle a place where difference is not celebrated
0: so what makes a great song now obviously
2: you've got a good ear I reckon I've got a good ear look I'm I'm Uh. good for pop I'm pretty bad when it comes to uh, prog rock Uh, Look, I'm I'm actually in the Maynard International Studios uh, lounge room at the moment. I'm surrounded by my CD collection, which for the first time in more than a decade is actually divided up into a section where you can actually find things. And in the next room, I've got the uh, vinyl in there as well. That's roughly uh, where it should be. But unfortunately, there's so much stuff on the floor that walking across to where the uh, records are is a bit tricky because you might step on something that you're trying not to break.
0: That's all right. Let's take something like the Uncanny X-Men's 50 Years, uh, which shocked me at the time. I didn't expect them to come out with a ballad. Uh, I warmed to it.
2: after I worked with Brian on uh, at the Absolute 80s, and I recommend you get along to see them in Melbourne. Um, he, he's, he's quite a live wire, Brian, live. Mm. And I asked him about it. I said, look, I, I, you guys were pretty wild and everything, and then you came out with this ballad. And as he said, yeah, the last thing I expected was to still be singing that song in 50 years. It was supposed <laughs> to be ironic kind of, you know, yeah. Um, so, yes, he's, he's proud of it as a song, but I think for him he even thinks it's unusual.
0: Well, we've been 50 years, Rudy Hill it's RSL.
2: The, Rudy Hill RSL, that's one of the places. Oh look, and that's, Well, that's the circuit they play when they, when they come up here because those are the places that the audience can go to and also those places still have good stages. Yeah. Um, well, like pubs, I'm not, I'm gotten, not joking. It's
0: a, it's a good venue.
2: Yeah. Oh, and, of course, uh, I recommend the Rudy Hill RSL Band doing Tower of Strength with that uh, and it's uncredited but if you go to youtube and look up the gtk film clip for tower of strength by the rudy mm-hmm. hilaris club band you'll see the lead singers none other than dennis walter oh dennis
0: walter and, and there's a name. lot of other
2: australian legends in that band apparently i'm told yes
0: mum melting uh no mum can can uh, stay in one piece when uh, De- dennis pa- uh,
2: starts to warble the power of walter <laughs> uh, yeah so as far as pop goes um I tend to point to one of my favourite pop songs, which was never a big hit in Australia, but it does point out many of the things of a pop, is um, the Pet Shop Boys from their mm. album Very in the early 90s, which I think is their best album, but they've done many since. Um, DJ Stephen also, uh Mark Allsop would argue with me about that because he's a huge Pet Shop Boys fan. But anyway, um, of the very album, um, normally I wouldn't do this kind of thing. It's almost you could almost it's uh, it starts with the catchy chorus. You've got the uh, uh, no, actually no. Yeah, it's verse verse chorus. It's basically that is your y- pop song, and also another one, of course. Um, oh, uh, anything by uh, uh, oh oh what was what was the Britney big one? I'm just trying. Oh, it's just gone out of my mind. It's the the huge one. Something uh, about
0: but, loneliness is killing her. Um, uh,
2: yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. Although that was the yeah, uh, um, hit me baby one more time. I'm talking about the later one. Later, big um, one, what, Toxic? That's it. Toxic. One of her comeback toxic. ones. Toxic. <laughs> uh, toxic, written by, uh, I think, the two Swedish guys that at that time were writing all the pop songs. For every- no, actually, pardon, hush my mouth. Toxic, written by Miss Kathy Dennis. Thank you very much. Uh, Great. Known for uh, all sorts of dance stuff. And basically, she's um, yeah, she could probably retire on that, particularly if she actually wrote The B Side as well.
0: So do you think Remember it's okay
2: hit? okay that bands have a few
0: hits and then run out of hits? Say so your pseudo-echo, you know, hit after hit after hit after hit and then no more. And you can't say they were an 80s band because they had rock elements, they had synth elements, they had great songwriting. Well,
2: it's, um, in- it's interesting you should bring up Brian and friends, because mm-hmm. if you go to the Facebook page for pseudo-echo at this very moment, he's been talking about... They had, I think, four albums. I think it was EMI. Hmm. And then they went into a meeting with them, with their manager, and it was going to be like, here we go. They're going to go see you later Um, because, you know, this fourth album sold half as many copies as the last one. Hmm. And they went, we'd like you to do another album. And uh, he wouldn't say who was who, but he said the members of the band didn't want to. So they were offered a fifth album in 1990 from, I think, EMI, and they turned it down. Oh, do do we know why? And we're talking a real one. Talked we, to know, Brian. Where, yeah, and and so Brian's going Brian's going to be telling more of that story on his webpage because I, I didn't oh. realize that. I thought I I thought that maybe they'd broken up. But yeah, they were offered it by EMI and their manager and the money hadn't been mentioned, but it was they obviously going to pay for the album and everything and they they broke up. Um obviously there was tensions within the band of some sort. But, um, you know, when you're doing something and someone offers you to do an album, you probably should do it. Kids, that's what you learn. That's right. Not that you get much of that I these just days. They to, go, Look, just you, you go make an album and we'll give you a quarter of one cent every time someone plays it on Spotify, which I hate, by the way. I, I like good. owning the music. I listen to a bit of stuff on Apple Music and that. But I really like having, because it's there now. If you've got some obscure soundtrack that you like on a, on a game, um, there's no reason why that's going to be there in perpetuity, that's for sure.
0: There's, uh, streaming doesn't look like it's going to be the way for new artists, especially if they're marginal in not a derogatory way, to earn a living out of their recordings. I just, I just think it's, it's, uh, it's a bit too small. And it's it's not easy to get people out of
2: their houses to come and see you live either. No. So. A few challenges, and, and let, there, let the but, flight facilities or someone like that.
0: I just want people to know that, like, if a band has a life and they have a few hits and they then they stop having hits, that doesn't make them losers. Uh, they had well, it's just natural
2: progression, yeah. Like, uh, like everyone's creative for a certain period of time, but more important than that is things the public loses interest in some sort of stuff. I mean, uh, they just get well, oh, we're not really into that now, something else. And it just goes mm-hmm. simply like that. And people get bored with it, although there's a core of people, as I've discovered with Patreon, that are just interested in things and they're happy to give you a, a certain amount of money a month. And in return, you give them a little special thing once in a while. And that's a that's not a bad artistic relationship. I haven't got that many people that do that, but I've got enough to, to help me along in a big way. And it's, a, it's something that may, maybe Slice Radio could get into. How, yes, I mean right. how you what's your business plan sir
0: oh my business plan mine it's uh, it's a very uh, slow burn i would say but hopefully we'll get a get a lot more dj's on board and then once it becomes a living organism i think um uh, commercial uh, options will become more obvious but sure um you know you can't you can't really have advertisers without a, a good core of listeners so that's what we're working on we, we we're building a broad platform
2: mm, well, and the, the um, thing yeah, the thing is that foundation yeah. <laughs> is that you've got to support this kind of thing, people. If you're listening, make sure you bookmark it and come back from time to time because things are going to be evolving here. And it's not very often you get on the ground floor of any kind of, uh, I call it radio, it's not radio, but any sort of broadcasting medium. And you don't know what's going to be coming up. You might discover there's some probably some great talent in that area that no one's ever heard on, on broadcasting.
0: I'm sure that there is. And, uh, you know, we're not, we're not ruling out anything at this stage. Uh, you know. uh, may
2: I just say now you have my complete permission to play on your system anything that's on Maynard.com.au on audio or you can even play the audio of any of the uh, uh, videos I've got up there. It's You're yeah, very welcome to do that. No oh, problem at all. Well. As long as you say, this is from Maynard, so don't blame us. <laughs>
0: yeah. A disclaimer and a credit in the
2: same. Well, look, here's the question, What was the, which no one got on my quiz on uh, over Easter when I ran it. Yeah. What was the second single off the Pixies album, Doolittle?
0: Second single. It wasn't, uh, oh, gosh, I don't know their albums very
2: well, but I'll just guess uh, Gouge Away. No. The first one was Monkey Gone to Heaven off this Doolittle album. Hmm. And the second one was Here Comes Your Man. Here Comes Your Man, the biggie. And no one no one got it. And I, I was actually showing, uh, it was a visual cue. I was showing the cover with the dog on it and... Uh, With with it blanked out, and no one got it. I was, I thought, what great film clip? Do you remember? Yep, 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 yep. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, I was just, I was just gobsmacked that people didn't quite get it. But anyway, but then that's just when I, that's when I got barred by Facebook because I accidentally played a great bit of Italian variety television. It's on the clip. Have a look. From um, I'm a bit obsessed with Heather Parisi, and after you see her performing on Italian television in the 70s and 80s you will as well she was a, a, a classically trained dancer who would do the outrageous thing on these Italian variety shows and in this particular clip she um uh, she was brought in in a suitcase and someone just opened the suitcase and she popped out and and immediately started to do vertical splits and then dropping to the floor and you're watching it going ow how do you do that great dancer uh, very very Italian and of course the show was called fantastico fantastic Oh,
0: Can I ask you oh. just like a quick question? And there's only one correct answer. Well, that's answer. what I'm here for. Metal Mickey or Danger Mouse?
2: Oh, my goodness. Both hosted by James Valentine on his afternoon show. Hmm. And then Michael Tun as well. Um, I would say, oh, gee, that's a hard... I'd have to go with Danger Mouse, mm-hmm. although I enjoyed the live action of Metal Mickey and the fact the opening shot of it is a is a block of flats <laughs> in this normal so yeah i'd go with danger mouse i would probably yeah, go sure. with danger mouse but if uh but i think all of them are beaten by um sir arthur and the knights of the round table the 70s australian cartoon that had um uh, oh. john million john million and a whole bunch of other people i think it might have even it sounds like it had barry crocker doing voices for it too it's um yeah or maybe hr puff and stuff i thought was pretty cool even though they didn't have a last episode we lost barry so didn't we no i'm very glad to tell you that barry Parker oh. is still he's in his 80s and still alive
0: oh geez i would have had him in his early 90s okay well that's great that doesn't that's fantastic well that's that's another great thing to come out of this uh chat barry oh, yeah, barry
2: and and he has his own youtube channel now whether he's doing it himself or got other people to do it so he's on he's on twitter he's got his own youtube channel and I, it's not actually on his channel, but I found it, and it's a 1969, it's black and white, and it's English, so it's before they went to colour in England, of Barry Crocker performing at the Talk of the Town with the Dancers, the Pans People, which used to oh, be on top wow. of the Pops. Oh, wow. Sexy. And he's, oh, and, and they, would skip, they were skipping rope or something on stage, and it's just so incredibly 60s. And there's also on Barry Crocker's youtube channel it's a charity he was doing at um in adelaide i think it was huge charity performance and basically he opens a show your host barry crocker goes and it's like some almost like to dream the impossible dream or something like a really belter of a number and then he takes a break and all these wacky dancers come in and dance around for a while and then they exit the stage and Barry comes back and finishes it finishes with the big number and just brings the house down it's like well you might as well go home after seeing that that's about the best as the nights go fantastic and I was lucky enough because um, I do have a lot of the real- to- real tapes from my triple J stuff in the late 80s and i had him on for a christmas show barry crocker and uh, i edited that up and we had a very barry crocker christmas is actually up on um, maynard.com.au and barry is just a larrikin it's great he wasn't quite so sure what to make of the show but he certainly went with it like a trooper and did lots of great ad-lib jokes he's a great guy great guy if anything does happen to him i mean i think he should be like william shatner and just his birthday wish should be to never die i think for barry um and uh, he's just great he's just a fun larrikin guy i mean who, who do you i mean look so so look let's mm. Mag maggie tabra i was only looking today mag the maggie tabra 1969 morris hillman because they were talking about all oh, the carlos party 1985 ford laser which is mm. kind of stylish and then someone pointed out well what about the 1969 morris hillman Maggie Tabra. And she had, um, she probably hadn't thought too much about what you should have in car interior, but I think I like what she did. Um, Everything was lime green, lime green colour on the outside, lime green seats, uh, seat covers made from swimsuit material, again lime green. Everything inside the car, white, white long shag pile carpet, white dashboard, white everything inside. And Obviously, you hadn't given a lot of thought to scuffing and what Gosh. happens to car. There's the reason car carpets are black, isn't there, Dan? because yeah. it they get pretty. So you'd be doing a lot of vacuuming and and shag pile cleaning of that. But oh, it's a it's a great little car. And in fact, that green that she chose um Leyland actually adopted as their uh, as their as one of their official colors in 1973 there was probably a uh, a P76 in that green or something like that back in the
0: day Leyland, but I'm but sorry a- I'm
2: yacking on here but I'm
0: sorry, i just I don't think the Leyland brothers would have had one of those it certainly wouldn't have um no, wouldn't wouldn't have have jived, oh, jived with the acts or stuff they were up and- to and-
2: that's another real-to-real tape I've digitised. I spent a day with the Leyland Brothers at Leyland Brothers World. Remember they built that fake mountain not far outside of Newcastle? I remember
0: the world. I, I watched yes. a little documentary where it all went south.
2: And I uh, went and had a chat to them. <laughs> so, you know, there's like a, 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 an hour special with the Leyland Brothers, Mike and Mal all having a, a good chat about everything there. And I even went to the snack bar. I talked to people. And again, there's these, are these things you're torn between Putting up your old stuff and people going, oh, he just puts up his old stuff. Or spending time on the new stuff, which takes longer, like Bunga Bunga with Tim Ferguson. Like, I'm currently right. editing episode 66 at the moment. I and now you've got usually-
0: 65 and 66, kind of clickety-click, all the sixes.
2: Well, like I said to Tim, two-thirds of the way to the devil, 66. Uh, and <laughs> Tim, Tim's talking about his show He just taken to Adelaide. I talked about... Uh, newcastle fringe i did some hosting at that and i've got to say if you get a chance to see the uh, the bang bang betty variety wild west show that's a great bit of burlesque and a great bit of out there entertainment uh, is the group for newcastle the uh, omg wtf show both of those shows well worth a look I was lucky enough to host that, and between the cast of that, there was like twenty-five people backstage at Lazottes in Newcastle. So I didn't actually see a lot because I couldn't get anywhere near the stage. But it sounded pretty good, and it's a it's a great show. And 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 Betty's one of these people where she's just got the cowboy outfit on and a g-string, and uh, she can just wander around the foyer as if uh, it's her own house. So yeah, quite Gosh. a fun bur- a burlesque performer. Yep, she certainly is is empowering. That's for sure.
0: Sounds fantastic!
2: fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm You've rich, been rich super rich busy. I, well, I, well, uh, no, it's it's all just come back in the last month. Like we've done a, a mayor club gig at the Mosh Pit. Oh, we had um, we had a, a couple like we were charging ten bucks at the door because they don't pay you to play the Mosh Pit. You've got to get <laughs> someone on the door, and it's only got a capacity of, I think, fifty people. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we put, put someone and us uh, and there were people. There were goths coming in, and uh, they were, and were, One guy had suicidal tendencies. T-shirt, pants. And shoes, They all had that logo on there. Um, And I thought, wow, is he really going to have a good time? And yes, he he was smiling when I played um, Can't Smile Without You, Barry Manilow, at the end. He had his phone in the air waving it back and forth. So he was getting the irony, which is good, because goths don't always get that, or they pretend they don't.
0: Have you ever interviewed Barry Manilow?
2: Yes, I have. You Mm. know, I wonder where that is. I did that, I don't know if that was early in, Might have been early in my time at Newcastle ABC. And it might be on... You know, that's definitely one I've got to find because he's a guy who had a sense of humour about himself and he's not ashamed to talk about Copacabana. As he says, it's just a little throwaway novelty song off an album that I didn't really intend it to be that big.
0: Yeah, I know. He was was trying to be serious for a good part of his early career, but he just... uh, People wouldn't let him. (laughs) Look,
2: uh, well, and I had a chat to him because i watched a bit of his if you watch a bit of him in concert and i'm sure there's many people who haven't done that um he just stops from time to time does a bit of philosophy about the song and and how if you particularly the one that got me is that like talked about. you know there's that person that you're deeply in love with and the relationship fell apart and it hurt like hell and then you moved on and you had kids and you got married and your life is where you want to be and then a song will come on and you'll think about it and it'll hurt like hell again and i thought and the audience which was mainly um, um older women in their 50s and 60s just went oh yeah like that as if they all related to what he said and and i just said yeah you you do that sort of philosophy thing he said well what's the point of just playing a whole bunch of songs if you don't just if you don't talk to people about something that connects with them every once in a while incredibly obvious and what all good bands and performers do but barry does it too that's why they like him
0: we love all barry's in this household
2: And 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 the best version of Copacabana again. I point you towards YouTube. Look for Liza Minnelli doing Copacabana on the Muppet Show.
0: Oh, Muppet Show. That's a oh, winner.
2: Okay. If if that's around anywhere, I must get the Muppets on DVD too. Who's your favourite?
0: Uh, who's your favourite Muppet?
2: Oh, oh, there's a there's a loaded question. It's like mm. saying who's who's the best um, Captain of the Enterprise? Um, let me see. Uh, I would have to say. You know, um, something about Gonzo. I like the fact that he tries really hard, but things don't go quite right. There's that whole fetish thing with the chickens that's not really Mm. explained very much. So that's pretty good. I do like that. Um, There's also there's another character that's a bit like the Count. He's dressed similar to the Count, but he's not the Count and looks almost exactly like him. I've got an action figure. Can't remember what his name is. And it's like, why is this character even here? It's like a count yeah, that doesn't. Yeah, I know the one you're look.
0: talking about. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: But the count, uh, you mean the puppet on the TV on the kids' children program yeah, one, with yeah. the bats and the big and the yep. big fangs.
2: <laughs> it's, that's the one. One, <laughs> two, and look, I, I did have a certain affinity for the the baker on uh, on Sesame Street that would be like making all the work, making all those cakes, and he just he just fucking fall down the stairs and stuff them all up. Boom. I loved it, particularly when he had one cake. That was the best fall.
0: I think I like Sam the Eagle. I thought he had the best comedic
2: moments. And uh, um, was it uh, Someone in Wanda? He'd always introduced them, the the good up- upstanding american couple and they'd get like 30 seconds into their routine and the (laughs) the set would fall down or something would explode or a running gag would just invade their song and then yes that would that would be great too yep i highly recommend that also the um the show went wrong is a more recent show that i've quite enjoyed too from the uk where they do different genres like a a war song a um, um uh, a period piece, all sorts of things, and uh, a, a legal trial, and everything goes wrong. It's like the uh, the play that went wrong, but it's a show that went wrong with a different genre each week. Mm. Well worth a look. Um, my favourite is the is the war one, um, and the other one is the legal one, where they made the mistake with the jury box. They, uh, they did the... Uh, uh, the well they, yeah, they basically... Did it in inches instead of feet, so they've got the incredibly small jury box, and the way they get around it is by putting the camera really close to it. So yeah, so every time every time they cut that scene, all these people are trying to cram into an area that's far too small. It's an old gag. Oh,
0: that's uh, yeah. old gag. but It's a goodie. an oldie yes, but a goodie. Yes. Some of them are.
2: Spinal tap. Of course- that's a movie I was thinking of. Yeah.
0: Of course. Yeah. We should let Maynard go. He's yeah, got look, I'm a suddenly, I'm only getting
2: get warmed up. I'm sorry oh, to look. be yakking to you for so long, oh, but no, uh, no, feel free no to problem. call me back anytime. Always- like, I can a- because no one ever interviews me. This oh, is the look, the I last time why. I did an interview was because you know, I just go on about rubbish all the time um, and I've got and I'm, I'm really deep down inside very shallow. Uh, that's the other thing. And I've really got not much to say, but um, it's but time. It's
0: time to be specific. It's your time, uh, Maynard, you know, it's I, I time I guess for that it, specificity.
2: Uh, that's dr- uh, the last time I got interviews by my friend Jay Katz. Who's got a who? Who does everything through Patreon? He's taking the hard path. He's he gives nothing away. Like to see what he's interviewing or showing or screening, you have to be a Patreon. But one of the things he does is uh, once a week they'll screen a movie and. As a Patreon, you can watch the movie and, and, and it's a bit like uh, Science Theatre 3000 and, and his wife and him sit there and, and heckle the movie as it goes through. That's 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 a great thing he does. And nice. I'd like to do that kind of thing, but you can't do that and get away with the copyright.
0: No, you've got to uh, be careful because uh, they're listening. Walls
2: have ears. They're running From the reason- through you through your waveform. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Well, it yeah. Uh, make, uh, makes
0: uh, 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 Makes it tri- tricky. Uh, one more question before you go. It's a toughie. Banana Man or Roger Ramjet?
2: Ah, oh, oh. now, again, I like the low-rent appeal, the low-rent British goodies voiced appeal of Banana Man, but got to go Roger Ramjet. Yeah, it's funnier, uh, it's, isn't it? it uh, well, yes, it's more American, mm. but... It's. I've. I've gone through a lot of the episodes. Again, that's something I really want to get on DVD. One that is great, and you should play an episode. old if you can get a hold of it here on Slice Radio, is Chicken Man, which Chicken Man uh, Roger Ramjet owes a fair bit to Chicken Man, and Roger Ramjet works as an audio only. Um, yes. And my favorite episode. Epi- favorite episode. Mm, the one where there was a hole, uh, the solenoid robots made a hole in the world, so it was a uh, sound that was annoying everybody and no one could get them. Um, or the very first one wasn't bad, but it's um, uh, Dr. Uh, I think it was Dr. Dr. Watt. He's going, Doctor, what? No, Doctor, no. Yes, what? Yeah, it was one of those gags, and, uh, and that was the first one. And uh, even in the first episode, uh, General Brassbottom Bottom um, has, has a problem with putting up with uh, Roger Ramjet. But there is one, another one which is a great episode where the first line is, as this episode starts, uh, we find Roger Ramjet in a bit of a tizzy. And, and he's got his bum poking out of the fridge and he's like, he's got his head all the way in the fridge and the doodle what what's going on? I'm, I'm just looking for my, he's looking for something. It's, he's basically having a nervous breakdown during the entire episode. Mm. And they kind of put him to bed and sedate him and go off and, and solve the, the problems on their own, which could get me into Batman, but I believe you've got a, you've got a life to, uh, you've got, you've got well, to Well, no, it's all freedom. right.
0: No, look, I was just wondering, is it, was it American or was it faux-American?
2: Oh, it was definitely American. Was if it okay, listened, yeah. If Yeah. If uh, one of the uh, other great internet stations, other than Slice Radio, mm. and was it Slice Radio? Or was it was just Slice, Slice Radio? Radio.
0: Well, look at yeah. well, We just call it Slice for short around here. You're now one of the family.
2: Oh well, I'm proud to be one of the family. If there's a T-shirt, I will wear it. Um, uh, one of the other stations I love is Audio Noir. There's a few stations that do what they do, but Audio Noir is just. Old school live radio plays of crime detective thrillers from the thirties through to the sixties. And I highly recommend that because if you listen there's some that you can hear, oh that's where the Roger Ramjet thing's from because they basically have an organ, they have two people doing voices, and that's it, low budget. That's all that's happening with Roger Ramjet as well. But and uh, with some sound effects as well put in.
0: Film and Sound Archive website the other day, and it is a oh. cornucopia of stuff.
2: Have they got stuff from the, the Crawford people in Melbourne who, of course, later went on <laughs> it's to do so the much and stuff? Because they used to do plays there all the time and all that would be there somewhere. They're not and, They're, and not, they're not find very keen to there, give is- it away. They're oh, uh, you it's can, kind of expensive.
0: Look,
2: <laughs> oh, you can only look at the listing; you can't actually. <laughs> yeah,
0: you, you can You can listen to some stuff. They they've got lots of uh, lots of lots of great um, events going on over there. Um, it's definitely worth a visit. Well, so this is something
2: uh, I've always felt the ABC should capitalise on. It's the problem is that there's probably no money in it because you'd have to give it away. Hmm. Um, and also, some of it's copyright, so maybe you could. Yes, but. I would love to see some of those old daggy Saturday shows that the D-Generation used to show bits of on their show when it was on in in the early 90s. But yeah. the Saturday show, they, you know, Barry Crocker would host it and there'd be this really daggy dancing and numbers and everything. And it was like, that would just be a fun thing. And, uh, and also the radio stuff, you've got how many years of Triple J have you got? And one thing I do know about Triple J, they are rubbish at archiving. Um, They would be good at archiving interviews. I know Richard Kingsmill, very good at archiving his stuff and for the J-Files and things like that. But if, say, for example, you wanted to listen to A Shift of Helen and Mikey doing... Yeah, I was uh, just
0: thinking. I mean... uh, Yeah, did Helen's a
2: book. That was
0: like like my... um, very important, uh, you know, that was my oh, very important introductory people. years of, well, you know. Well, if you
2: want to listen to one of their shifts mm. of breakfast, if you want to listen to Rusty Nails, who was a couple of announcers before me, if you want to listen mm. to a Tony Biggs breakfast show, they are nowhere. There might be little bits of them somewhere in some cut-up, but there's no actual mm. lengthy show of the whole thing. <laughs> um, I mean, in my case, the only reason it survived is because I made copies of it when I went. And that sort of thing, and and put it on reel-to-reel, even when I didn't have a reel-to-reel player, which I've only been able to get in recent times. And kids, let me tell you, a reel-to-reel player is a funky thing. If you've got room for it in a lounge room, it's good. Unfortunately, I haven't got room for it in the lounge Hmm. room. But I think it's the most expensive sound format ever invented for (laughs) 90 minutes. You've got a player that now would be—I wouldn't even want to guess what a, what a player would be, particularly a professional one—and yeah. the upkeep, the upkeep of it—and you've got to clean the heads almost every time you play it now because all the tapes are so old. But yeah, yeah, basically, for for ninety minutes, you've got to do a lot of work, and it's and it's you know it's a bit okay—it's it's broadcast quality back in the day, but nothing compared to that tape or even any file you could get now. Yeah,
0: well, look, that tapes really changed the face of um, of well, recording, and got to be, didn't they?
2: Yes. Only thing with them is a cassette tape can go a bit wobbly or that kind of thing, because that tape is recording your zeros and a ones, if anything happens on that tape, that will just be gone. Like, so it'll either play or it won't. You won't get anything muffled or anything. So, and I've I've actually pulled one apart and edited it together to do, it. and that that if you've got a spare day, try that one, folks.
0: My oh, goodness, like that sounds watch. like a fun time. Well, look, yeah, we've been chatting time. to, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, broadcasting legend Maynard.
2: Well, well, thank you. um You may say that. Some people would say, Who? That guy? <laughs> who? Who's that guy there? Uh, look, maynard.com.au uh, is the place to go for it. Yeah. If you feel like uh, becoming a Patreon for as little as one or, or even $2 a month, go nuts. um That's at uh, patreon.com/slash Maynard. And I've also got a YouTube channel, which is uh, Maynard, Maynard out with all dot that's there. If you want to uh, see me on Twitter, I'm there, Maynard out with the dots taken out. And uh, I'm on Facebook, Maynard there or the Mao Club there. And, you know, come say hello. Say, I heard you on Slice Radio. And I go, well, bugger me, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Maynard. Thank you. And, and look, long may you, uh, uh, God bless Slice Radio and all who sail in him and her.
0: thank you sir big 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 thanks goes out to my guests for this week Clancy Pye, singer-songwriter extraordinaire and broadcasting legend Maynard I'll be back next week with similar sort of stuff great guests and great new music if you want to head over to sliceradio.com.au and you're an Android user you can download our Android app so that'd be a great thing right and hold on to your hats The iOS or Apple app is not too far away. So I'll catch you next time on The Dan Show on Slice Radio. Thanks for listening. Stay safe.